Good morning. It's good to see all of y'all this morning. I'm going to start a new series on uh, cultivating depth with God. And there's times when you stand up as a preacher and you, you, you're carrying a burden and you, um, you don't really want to preach it and you don't really want to teach it. You just want to have a cup of coffee with the people that you're speaking to. So I, if I can talk to you this morning like we're sitting across the table having a cup of coffee, then I think I'll be able to communicate what's on my heart um, the way the Lord has given it to me. And so if you didn't get coffee this morning, I'm so sorry. But imagine we're sitting there in your favorite coffee spot and we're just talking about Jesus for a minute because there's just things that right now are... They're too important for us to um, get them lost in the sort of just performance of releasing messages or teaching messages or doing church services. And, and so I feel a, a deep tremble in my heart. I feel a burden. I feel excited and I feel so compelled and, and, and so desirous that we would we would really live this gospel. We'd really live this, this Christianity that we believe. So I wanna pray again and um, ask the Lord to help us today as, as I share these thoughts. Um, you get a serious look on your face. This is not a coffee meeting while I'm trying to correct you. <laughs> hey, I need to talk to you. Can we have some coffee? It's not that. But I really do wanna talk um, about things that I feel like the Lord is just, emphasizing to me, to our leadership team, and, and really bring us into a place where we're, we're, we're going together towards something that I think is really beautiful. So let's just pray. So Lord, we love you so much. We love your word. I thank you so much for how you lead, how kind you are, how tender you are, how you've never left us alone. You've never left us alone. You've never left us to ourselves but you've constantly called us back into love and into fellowship. And so even today, Abba, we come before you to hear your heart, to hear from you. I want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. I pray, help me to share things that you've placed on my heart. And would you speak to every single one of us this morning? Talk to us about your desires, your dreams, your will for us. Remind us of the calling with which you've called us and the hope of Jesus' calling. And compel us today to act, compel us today to righteousness, to justice, to live the values of your kingdom. Compel our hearts, I ask. In the name of Jesus, everybody said amen. 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 Well, I'm gonna start this message with a throwback. Um, January 17th. This year, uh, I preached a message called Overcoming Superficial Christianity. Overcoming Superficial Christianity. How many remember that, just by any chance? Yeah, I'm convinced we don't remember the preachings. We remember the songs, but not the preachings. <laughs> but then we've got to review it and, and get it in our hearts when we, when we hear the word preach. But I preached this message on overcoming superficial Christianity. I was, I was fresh off of um, a leadership meeting where I'd been with leaders from all over the body of Christ, and, and we had been talking about what's God saying to the church, and uh, one of the key points that came out was this burden that so many of these leaders had, it was 30 or 40 in the room, um, different ones, names you would know, and uh, one of the key points that came out was this sort of sense that the church um, is, is living uh, a bit shallow in this hour. This is January now. This is pre-COVID. This is, you know, pre-protests um, and riots from 2020 and all the things that have happened. And so that we're living shallowly. We, we weren't living as deeply as the Lord would have us. And several of the, of the uh, leaders were just really burdened over this point. And, and so I preached this message and I identified five different areas in, that we needed to make real changes in. 
in our walk with the Lord. We needed to go deep in our walk with the Lord. And in, in the notes, here's what they are. I said, yeah, we have to have a depth of intimacy with Jesus. We gotta get closer to him this year than we've ever been. I said, we have to have a depth in the word of God. If we don't know the word in this season, we're gonna be given to uh, all sorts of opinions and deceptions. I said, we're gonna have to have a depth of boldness to, to stand firmly in our witness and to declare the gospel even when it's unpopular. And I said, we're gonna have to have a depth in relationships because in community and spiritual family, I said, what's coming is gonna be so challenging we're gonna need one another. We're gonna have to cling on to one another and to be able to walk through what's coming. And, and then I said, we're gonna have to have a depth of humility. We're gonna need to see ourselves really the way that, that God sees us and not be puffed up about our, our name or puffed up about our ministry brand or, or anything like that, but really recognize that, that God sees us a certain way and his way is truth. And that, you know, so many uh, times our ideas of the way that we see ourselves, it's a bit inflated. We, we think of ourselves as bigger and, and better than, than, than we really are. And we need a depth of humility in, in how we perceive ourselves. I preached that January 17th this year. And as I was looking at that message, I was reviewing that this week because as is the case with you all and with me, I had literally forgotten that I'd preached that word. Literally forgotten it. Now the truth is in the word I remembered, but I just totally had forgotten that I'd actually preached that this year. And um, it hit me. It hit me. It hit me pretty square because when you look at those five things, I feel like if people had really locked onto those five kind of focuses in January when March and April hit, it would have been bring it on. You know, we would have had an attitude like we are so deep with the Lord. We're so deep in the word. We're deep in relationships. We see that we, we're in need. We're humble and we're gonna stand. You know what I mean? Like it's like those, the Lord gave those five things in that leadership meeting as a preparation for this, this moment, this hour that we're in. And, uh, and I said this, I, I, I read this quote from Richard Foster. I, I recommended a book, Celebration of Discipline. I read this quote from Richard Foster and this quote's from 1978. It says, superficiality is the curse of this age. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. He said that in 1978, it's about 40, just over 40 years ago. And it is so true to today. And, and this is, you know, what I'm really feeling right, right, right now is the winds that have been blowing of challenges through the pandemic, through the social unrest, economic difficulties, the, the political climate, the, the social media climate, these winds they're, they're not going to just go away. It, you know, what's the forecast? Windy with a chance of heavier winds. I mean, that's with a chance of greater rain. I mean, that's what's coming. And, and so for, for us believers, we have to be rooted right now. We have to be. And what I'm seeing, unfortunately, in a lot of places is people who love the Lord and they will declare that they love Jesus, but the wind is so strong right now, blowing in so many directions, they are actually getting carried away. You know, Paul said by every wind of doctrine, and I would say by winds of doctrine that are societal, their opinions, they're circumstantial, but they're getting carried away by winds, you know? And, and I'm looking at this realizing depth is the issue. You know, um, in, in Song of Solomon, the bridegroom, he says to the bride, he says, 
you're like a palm tree. And he's speaking to her when she's mature, at the end kind of of the journey of Song of Solomon, if you have your mind around the story, but it's kind of this story where we see this immature uh, maiden go from, mature, go from immaturity to maturity. And at the end, he says, you're like a palm tree. You know, you know what a palm tree is? You've seen the hurricane you know, footage and stuff, and, and you see the, the rain is going sideways and the wind is you know, carrying cars and blowing down buildings, but then you see palm trees and they're bending, but they don't break because their roots are so deep. And they're, they're, what they're made of, their girth is so strong that a hurricane can roll through, tear everything up, but the palm trees are Secure, they're stable. And that's what the people of God are supposed to be like. We're supposed to be so rooted in Jesus and in the word and in love and in family that it doesn't matter the wind that comes, we're not going to break. We're not going to be blown away. I, I, I got this quote, I sent this to um, a couple of our, our staff this week, and, and I said, I'm gonna preach this on Sunday. And they're like, oh, that's so good. And then I said, yeah, I preached it in January too. <laughs> Here it is. I said this exact thing in January. Maybe the resistance we sense is not in warfare. Maybe it's the resistance of the Lord. He's across the table from us, resisting us with kind eyes because of our superficial ways. He doesn't want to give the precious things of his kingdom to us cheaply, so he waits for us to go deeper. Beloved, this is it. We are at the moment Superficial Christianity is about to burn off like the morning dew. It is about to go away forever. It's not an option in this hour. What do I mean by superficial Christianity? Having the name, having a few of the habits, but not having the root system in your soul that accords with the conduct and the character and the values of the kingdom of God. This past Wednesday, I was preaching on the, the Beatitudes, the core values of the kingdom, and I, and I was sharing from Matthew 5, uh, Jesus, when he says, love your enemies. Love your enemies. And I was just making the point about how we hear something like that, and it's super easy for us to just dismiss it because it seems impossible. Enemies are enemies. You don't love enemies, you hate enemies. Well, not in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, you're not allowed to actually have people that you're an enemy towards. You're a lover towards those that are enemies towards you. And then he says these things. He says, love your enemies. And he gives three points. He goes, bless those who curse you. First point, Use your words to speak nicely, to speak blessing about those who speak against you. Then he says, do good to those who despitefully use you and abuse you. He goes, do good. So first is use your words, then do something nice for them. And then thirdly, it says Matthew 5, 44, he says, pray for those who hate you. Love your enemies, bless, do good, and pray for them. And the weight of those words was resting on me so strong, I thought, this does not even sound possible in the culture of today. This sounds so outer limits, like it's just not even close to how people are acting in the society right now. And let me just tell you something, that's the point. That Christians 
We're supposed to be so deep in Jesus, so rooted in him, so alive in him, so alive in his word, alive in love, that when everyone else is hating and accusing and betraying and doing people wrong, when everyone else is in it for self, believers, the Christ followers, are loving their enemies. They're blessing instead of cursing. Come on blessing instead of cursing, doing good to those that are doing wrong. Now think about how countercultural that is right now. That's so revolutionary, so different. And I, I, you know, I was, I was thinking about this. I had a conversation with with someone recently and, and I was explaining how this, this person was doing Matthew 5, 44 and 45 and, and they were loving their enemy. They were blessing the one that was cursing them. They were doing good to the one that was despitefully using them and this believer rolled their eyes at me and they go, well, I'm glad they're able to do that. I'm not, I'm not able to do that. And I thought, you know, that's exactly how a lot of believers think right now. These are good suggestions, but it doesn't really matter if I really live them because God is kind, he'll forgive me and whatever. I just can't act that way. No, that's not Christianity. Christianity is I end up at the cross, on the cross with Jesus. My ways are crucified and his life is being lived through me which comes down to all the nitty gritty, all the little heart issues, right? It comes right down to the thing. Are you denying self taking up your cross and following him. And so this is where depth is played out when we make the good decisions at hard times. And that's where we are right now, beloved. We have to make good decisions in a very hard time. The thing that I know about our spiritual family, those of you that are gathering here right now, those of you that are gathering online, those of you that are part of the IHOP Newbridge spiritual family, you know what I know about you? You're hungry. You're hungry for God. You want something more in God. You're not trying to live shallow. You're hungry for God. You're hungry for authentic Christianity. And you're hungry for real relationships to walk this out with. That's why you would come here. Because we don't, we just don't preach a message that just makes you feel good and out the door you go. We don't, we don't we, you know, we, we're not just, we want to encourage, but we want to call you into something that's, that's real. And what's, what's real in Jesus looks so different than the culture right now. And, and so I, the people that are part of our spiritual family, you're hungry for God and you want to live out of the norm. You want, you want depth. I know that. I know that's why you're in the room. And that's what I want to do over the next couple of weeks. I'm going to talk about that. What's that look like? I was thinking about it. The ones that are part of our spiritual family, I just put this paragraph in the notes. You want depth in the word. You want passion for Jesus. You want legitimate spiritual family. You want to experience God's presence and his power. You want to see revival. You want understanding of the end of the age, and you want to be prepared to stand before Jesus. You want these things for yourself. You, you want them for your spouse. You want them for your kids. You want them for your neighbors. You want them for the lost. You want to live this thing, the real thing, the real way. You really want this thing. And, and, and honestly, if you somehow stumbled in here this morning, you're like, I just wanted to like check off the box and come to church on Sunday. Cool, I'm glad you're doing that here. Because I am fishing for you, boom, to try to bring you into the deep part of the pool. And I'm not suggesting that we're deep. I'm suggesting we need to go deep. Like really, like we, this thing has got to transcend the label and then just sort of the Christian sort of habits. It's got to turn into how I live day in and day out, aside from Sunday or aside from the special church moment where I'm actually living these values out in my family, in my job. I'm living in a, in a way that looks completely different than what the world's looking like. I make choices that are hard because of Jesus. 
and I don't go with the sway of the world. I'm making those choices right now because the hour is urgent, Jesus is real, and Jesus is coming, and the earth needs a witness. Amen. So I was thinking about this idea of depth, going deeper, growing deeper, and I was thinking about this principle, this principle of the kingdom. It's one, it is so wonderful. It's one of the most tender, awesome thoughts to me. And it's the principle of spiritual hunger. It's so cool. God sets up his kingdom this way that the hungry get what they're hungering for. The hungry get filled. That's amazing. He doesn't just look at the hungry and say, too bad for you, you're hungry. You're not getting what you wanted. He looks at the hungry and over and over and over, the spiritually hungry, he looks at them and he says, if you keep hungering, you will receive. And and that just brings us to this point that in Jesus, you don't have to live without anything that you desire. Because in him, the hungry get filled. The hungry get filled. He says it over and over and over in the scripture. I mean, so many times. He goes, blessed are those, this is one of the core values, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. He says it in James. He says, draw near to God And God will, think about this, draw near to you. Now just think think about how shocking that is. I mean, virtually every other religion, the God of their religions demands, he demands fealty, he demands loyalty, he demands the adherence to bow down with no promise of drawing near. But Jesus, he says, seek me and you will find me. He says, knock, it'll be opened. Ask, and you shall receive. Keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking, you'll find. Those who knock, it's open. Those who ask, receive. Those who seek, find. This is the kingdom that we're a part of. Let me just say it this way. If you're finding, it's because you're hungry. If you're not finding, it's because you haven't been seeking. And somebody says, well, I have been seeking, but I haven't found yet. Well, guess what? It's coming. Why? Because he promises. He promises that the hungry get filled. I was thinking about uh, Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah has a couple of these passages that are so, they're so, they're so tender. When I think about it, it makes my, it it just makes my heart kind of, just move because about the tenderness of the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 12, he says this. He says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I've lived many, many years seeking the Lord. It's been one of the things that I've just loved about the kingdom of God, that you don't have to have any special giftedness to be passionate for Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to be able to dunk a basketball. You don't have to be able to run a fast 100 meters. You don't have to be able to sing or dance or speak or preach, you, you, could, you don't have to have any giftedness because he just says, if you seek me, you're gonna find me. And I just, years ago, I just thought, huh, well, I can do that. I can be hungry. I, I, can, I can be desirous. Something lodged in my soul as a young man where I realized I'm not made just to just to go through the motions and just live out the norm. I, I, I hate that. I, I hate the idea of just, just 
cookie cutter looking like everything else and just being so stuck in a mold and there's, there's no ex- expression of, of heaven and glory. And I, I remember the first time, uh, the, 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 first time uh, the guy that led me to the Lord, he said, he goes, I can pray for you. This was so, I thought this was so cool. He goes, I can pray for you. He goes, you will be filled with power and then you'll be able to speak in a language that nobody taught you. I was like, what? He goes, yeah, and God will understand that language 100%. I was like, Get, come on. I want that. I want that. Whatever that is, I'll take it. He's like, yeah, no problem. He prayed for me over the phone. You know, and I had no, I had no church, like, understanding of, you know, Tongues or not tongues. No one had ever religiously taught me anything. I just, I said, what? You can speak? Give me this other language, you know? He prayed for me over the phone. The next thing I know, I'm in the kitchen praying in tongues on the phone. I was like, that's amazing. Where did that come from? I mean, I was like, this is crazy. That's what I thought it was about. I knew God had to be wild. I knew it had to be just amazing. There's just something in me as a young guy. I was hungry. Didn't, I didn't have to be the smartest, didn't have to be the strongest, I didn't have to be the most gifted. I just knew that, man, I was hungry, I wanted something, and God, he promises to meet the hungry. And I just want, I want to call that up out of you this morning. See, the world wants to press you into a mold, it wants to conform you into its own image. Jesus wants to conform you to his image. The world wants you to sit down, shut up, and go through the motions. Don't stick out, Christian. Don't do anything that would be out of the ordinary. You know, you're a hater if you talk too loudly about sin. You know, you're, you're, a, you're a cultist if you're too, you know, dedicated. Just shut up. We don't want to hear your morality. Quit putting your laws on us. Quit trying to get, put your laws on my body. It's exactly what Psalm chapter 2 says. The nations raged against the Lord and his Christ. And so the, the constant influence is for us to sit down, shut up, look like everyone else, just blend in. And that is not Christianity. Christianity is revolutionary. It's completely countercultural. And it's countercultural, not in going out and acting like, a, you know, a, 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 some idiot, you know, and getting everybody to get mad at you. It's countercultural in that I'm going to love you when you hate me. You're driving nails through my hands. Guess what? I'm asking God to forgive you. Yeah, yeah. I, I know everybody's hoarding. Well, what are we doing? We're giving. We're giving money to Lebanon. We're giving money to people that are, are struggling with COVID and financial issues. We're giving to the deaf ministry. We're pouring out when everybody's thinking, I need to hoard up. We're living completely counterculturally. When people are fearful, we're standing in boldness and in love. We're acting like Jesus. That's Christianity. And the hungry, they kind of get that. They, they go, I'm going after it. And I know there's something more and I want to receive that. And so I think spiritual hunger, it's like the first thought. If you want to be, you want to have like depth in the Lord, you got to be hungry. If you're complacent, you won't receive anything. If you're just kind of going through the motions, if you're satisfied, you won't receive anything. You know, you'll, you'll just be kind of flatlined. And here's the problem with being flatlined. Flatlined is not safe. Flatlined is extremely dangerous because right now the current is so strong the other way that if you're just gonna flatline and go through the motions, you will be blown the other direction. You get it right now. The whole world, 1 John 5, 19 says, the whole world lies under the sway of the enemy do you sense the current is getting stronger and stronger and stronger right now? So just sort of, just sort of sitting there going through the motions, guess what? You're gonna get swept with that current. 
You have to stand with an equal force that the current is coming and then to actually bear fruit to make any headway, you've got to actually overcome that. But thank God that greater is he who is inside of us than he who is in the world. Because we can't do this on our own. Have we, have we come to that conclusion yet? We cannot do this on our own. We need Jesus. And so I want to peak your hunger and let you know this, that if you will get hungry, if you will cry out, if you will lean in, press into God, he will meet you. He promises. This is the principle of the kingdom. And to me, it's the first step to depth in God, deciding, deciding that you don't want to be just status quo, going through the motions, fitting in the norm, that you want something real, something legit, something that's just transcendent. That's where it starts is hunger. Well, I want to take the rest of our time and I want to look at this, this parable in Mark chapter four, the parable of the seed and the sower. Now, you guys, if you've been in church any amount of time, you've probably heard this. All right. One of our biggest challenges is that when we hear the word, we think we've heard it, so then we don't hear it. So let's just, again, just clean the slate and let's allow the living word of God to hit us right in the heart. Let's just clear what we think we know. And let's allow it to apply to us. Because one of the things I realize is when I read a scripture and I think I already know it, then I imagine it doesn't apply to me. Do you know what I'm saying? I go, oh, I know that one. Well, you, you, your brain might recognize it, but that does not mean that it's living truth on the inside of you. You know what I'm saying? So I was reading through this this week and just meditating on it. And I was like, man, this is rich. I mean, there's a reason why Jesus said, if you don't get this one, you're not gonna get any of the parables. This is a big one. This is an important one. And so um, Mark 4, um, it also shows up in Matthew 13 and Luke 8. Mark 4, Matthew 13, Luke 8. I would encourage you this week, take some time, just read through all the versions of it and just compare them because he says little different things. Each gospel writer pulls out a little different points. But let's just, I wanna read this whole parable um, the better part of 20 verses. I want you to, to look at it on your device. Mark 4, I'm reading the New King James. It'll be on the screens. Let's all look at it together. Let's consider exactly what Jesus was saying. It says, then he taught many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprung up, increased, and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on the stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60 and some a hundredfold. So 
What has Jesus given us? He gives us four types of soil that represent four types of people. Can I tell you something? In this room right now, there's four types of people. Now, all of us could be one type. Every single person in this room could be that one type of people. But when the word is sown, it's typically sown and the people that hear it are one of these four types. It doesn't mean that you have to be one of the three negative types. You don't have to. In fact, this is what's so amazing is you get to choose which soil you want to be. You get to choose. Like right now, you get to choose how you treat the word that is being sown. Isn't that interesting? It's, I mean, the word is powerful, but the Lord is not forcing you to be good ground right this second. He's offering you the opportunity to bear amazing fruit for the kingdom. 30 times, 60 times, 100 times. 100 times. You hear a word and you bear fruit 100 times more than the thing you heard. I mean, come on, I want to live that way. You get to choose what kind of ground you want to be. And, and so what does he do? He's identifying these, these kinds of soil, these kinds of people. Why? Because what he's doing is he's actually identifying the chief way the enemy attacks people when they hear the word. He's giving us a list of the chief things the enemy does to cause the soil of your heart to not receive the word. He's, he's taking us through just the, the basic bottom line of what happens when the word is sown and how we respond and what the enemy is doing to try to stop the word from being effective. This is a powerful, powerful Parable because I was, when I was reviewing it this week, I was going, oh my gosh. I've had more words stolen from me than I can even imagine. I'm in shock because here it is, this parable that so often, I mean, I heard this so many times when I was young. The source of the word, good, good soil, bad soil, be good soil. I, mean, I heard it so many times, I thought I knew exactly what he was talking about. And then he goes, no, here are the ways the devil is going to take the word from you. And this is what's going to cause you to be ineffective as a Christian. And the first one he says, he goes, wayside. Wayside soil, it, 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 is, it is sown, it, it doesn't go down into the ground at all, and immediately Satan comes and steals it. Now when you read Luke, read Luke 8, the, ver, the, the version of the parable there, he actually says, because they didn't understand it. Now watch this. How many times have you read the Bible? I've done this a million times, so just, this, is not a, this is just how it is. I read in the Bible, and I'll read an entire page or, a, a, you know, entire chapter or chapters, and it's just whoo, over the top of my head. Ever? Everybody? Okay, good. Well, what is that? And then, I remember for years, it was like, you've got to read five chapters a day. I was like, all right, I'm going to read these five chapters. I don't know what those said, but I read them. Praise God. Check mark. <laughs> Didn't do anything. And thinking, you know, and you kind of walk away from that going, I hope that worked. Like I was waving the magic wand of the Bible over me and somehow I was just going to get it by osmosis or something. No, if you don't understand it, there's a principle. The hungry receive what they ask for. So when you don't understand it, what do you do? Ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's why Paul prayed that for the Ephesian church. When I'm reading it and I don't understand it, I begin to seek it out. Proverbs 2, he says, search for the knowledge of God like silver and gold. He goes, you will find the knowledge of God when you search for it. But how often have we made reading the word some religious exercise that somehow it's like if I just put the Bible on my head, whatever's in there is going to get into me and it's going to work. That's not 
how it goes. So the wayside soil is what's exactly what we just described, what's happened to me and you. When we read it, we don't understand it, we go, well, I'll just move on. That's wayside. It's not some guy out there that looks like a dirt road and he didn't get, you know, it's, we heard it, we didn't get it, and we didn't take one more step to investigate it so that it would actually go in. Does that make sense? You feel that one, right? I feel it. I mean, how many times did I read my five chapters, walk away, didn't understand it, and still thought, well, I did my religious duty? Nothing. It, it meant nothing. That's wayside. Immediately, the enemy comes to steal it. And oftentimes, what he'll do is as we're reading something that we don't understand, then he accuses on top of it. Because he's always coming with lies. Lies to blind, lies to bind. Every time, every time he speaks, he speaks lies. So here's us, we're gonna do our religious duty, we're gonna read the Bible, we don't get it, and then the enemy's on top of it with lies. Have you ever had the devil interpret the Bible for you? Oh, tons. Well, I've literally, I've had this happen to me many times. I walked away with the exact opposite understanding of what the scripture actually was teaching. Luke 18, the, 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 uh, the parable about prayer and the, uh, the unjust judge, I literally thought the exact opposite about that prayer, parable for years because the enemy was stealing that from me. So, so what's the point? The point is when you read the word and you don't understand it, ask. Ask for revelation. Ask God to, to, to open your eyes, to see it. He, he promises the hungry receive, beloved. Guys, listen, we are in a moment of time where we can't go along not understanding the Bible. We're in a moment of time where we must have living revelation of the word, where it's gotta be compelling our hearts, rooting us, plumb lining us, because the hour is urgent and times are dark and they're going to get darker. And what's amazing about the Lord, which is just blowing my mind, is he promises as darkness rises over the earth, God is going to arise with glory. You know, it's almost, we want the darkness to end so there can be glory. That's not how God does it. He's gonna actually let the wheat and the tares grow up together. The darkness and the glory is coming up together. What he's gonna do is he's gonna strengthen his church to stand through crisis and manifest glory while there's all sorts of wickedness also manifesting in the earth. It's a shock. This is the future of the church. A strengthened, fortified, filled with love, anchored in the word, people who are walking this stuff out every day of their lives in the midst of a, Christ, a, a culture that's in crisis, manifesting the power of the kingdom. That's who we're called to be. That's who we're destined to be. Second is rocky soil. Rocky soil. Well, what happens? The rocky soil, and you and I have been this person and we've seen this person a ton. The rocky soil the seed goes in, it immediately springs up, but it is, it is cut down by the heat of the sun. And then he explains that the heat is persecution or tribulation that arises because of the word. And you've seen this so often. You've been this person, I've been this person. Get so excited about something that the Lord's doing, the Lord's saying. And, and, and it's, it's moving your heart and then you share it maybe with somebody and then they hit you with an alternate thought and, and, and all of a sudden it feels like that moment that you had of, of revelation, it's just getting crunched by somebody, either they're coming against you because you're a believer or, or they're saying you're just so, you know, crazy in your mind, you're just making that up, or you're so idealistic. That was the one that I was attacked with so much as a young man, hear me. 
Some of you love God, man. You want to go hard for God. And as a young man, I can remember, I would be like, I want to witness. I want to share the gospel. I want to lay hands on the sick. I want to get words of knowledge. And I'd be like, I'm going to go tell people about Jesus. And on my college campus, I literally went out every single day and did the same evangelistic work with the guys that were full-time missionaries on the campus. It's what I did when I got saved. I blew off classes for Jesus. Hallelujah. Don't do that you're in college I have a couple of a couple of my sons are in college don't do that boys um, and I remember this wild conversation I had with this one guy who was a minister and, and I, I shared this whole story with him and I was trying to share the gospel with this guy and you know I was, I was challenging this guy and, and, and calling him out of his compromise because he's compromised and he went to the same Bible study we went to and this guy was compromised and just in sin and, and I was calling him out of it. And, and this, this minister said, you know what, man? He goes, you're really idealistic. He goes, he goes you'll see. In a little while, you'll calm down. You know, reality's gonna set in. You'll calm down and you'll realize that you can't just live like this. You're just gonna burn out. And, and when he was, he, was, he was literally reaching into my heart and trying to steal radical faith. He wanted to steal the, he called it idealism. I called it believing in the God who I can't see to do things that I could never do, to make a difference in people that I could never see happen. And he, he said, you, you know, reality's gonna sit in for you and you'll be normal. And I remember feeling like, I, I mean, just in my soul, just, oh, Oh, that made me feel sick. And I, and I, and I, and I said to him, I go, not me. <laughs> and, and I walked away from that and I was like, I don't know what that was, but I know that wasn't God. That, was, that can't be God telling me to settle down and be normal. And, but do you know that next few weeks, those words were hanging over me. Things were hard. There was peer pressure. There was all sorts of negative you know, sway and current pressing against me. And persecution because of the word's sake was coming on me. Man, you just need to settle down. And his, his words in my mind, you're so idealistic. You know, basically saying you're just immature. And those, I just remember that, that feeling like maybe I need to settle down. Maybe I am just crazy. And the Lord continuing to urge me on on the inside. And I remember the Lord, he, he, he said this to me one time. He said, how hard did you work for the devil before you got saved? And I was like, I worked hard for the devil. I did, I went all out. He goes, you can go all out for me too. You can go all out for me, son. And now you know what I've realized in ministry, part of my job has been, is just to give people permission, you can go all out for God. You can go all out. You can really read the Bible and understand it. You can really fast and pray as a normal part of your life. You can really love way beyond yourself, give way beyond yourself. You can really experience grace and humility that will empower you to be something you never thought you would be, to, to be kind and gentle and, and caring, serving, giving, laying yourself down for others. You can really live like that. You really can. You just gotta be hungry. You just got to press against those persecutions that come for the word's sake. I've, I've been in ministry long enough to, to see this, and, and I don't want to be cynical in my soul, so I always have to check myself. But, you know, I, I, I'll have somebody come to me. I've never seen him before. Man, I'm so excited. Ah, that word, that was such a good word. Oh, praise God. I'm going to be here every week. And on the inside, I go, uh-oh. I go, good, see you next week. And then next week, I'm looking for Johnny fired up and he's nowhere to be found. I'm, oh, what happened? Being fired up for Jesus is doing this thing over the long haul. 50 years. Staying passionate for 50 years. Not just having the label that you're a Christian for 50 years. Pressing into God 50 years. You know, if the Lord tarries and I, I get to be 80, I, I want to be 80 hungry for God. I, I, I don't want to be 80 having kicked it into neutral 50 years or 30 years earlier. Do you know what I'm saying? Thorny soil. 
This one got me, man. Thorny soil, bunch of thorns, bunch of weeds. The seed goes in. You can imagine it sprouts up. There's a bunch of weeds around it and you can kind of get the picture of those thorns. They wrap that, that new growth and they just, they just take it out. And he describes the thorny soil. He, he calls it cares of this life, deceitfulness of riches, and then this really generic one, desires for other things. So the cares of this life, I think of them as the things that make us worry. The, the, you know, the things that, 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 that make us fearful. The word goes in and then all these things are happening out there. And you go, I don't know if, I can't be bold. I, I, can't, I can't be all in for God. I can't go for this thing. It's too intense out there. What, what, how do I do this? Because the cares of this life are stealing the word from you. We have a better report than what's going on in our society. We have a better report than what's going on in the world. We have the eternal word of God embedded into our soul and our spirit that's actually transforming us and changing us. We have promises where God is going to supply, provide, heal, deliver, save. He is going to work on our behalf. We have promises. So what happens is this, the cares get higher in our understanding than the promises. And, and once that happens, the thorns choke. See, the promises are real. You, you have to be able to do this, guys. You have to be able to look at the cultural situation and, and the difficulty and look them right in the eye and go, I know that that's the report that's out there, but I have Bible verses that say the opposite. And I'm holding on to these Bible verses. I will hold on to these verses. If it kills me, I'd rather die with the Bible in my hand than going swayed into what the world is doing. And, and that's what it is. That's what it is to, to say no to the thorns, the negatives. Everything can look like it's sinking. He never sinks. I'm holding on to the word. I'm holding on to truth. I was raised in a word of faith uh, background. And, and people can say what they want to say about word of faith. Maybe there's excesses, maybe whatever. But here's the point. You know what I was taught in word of faith? You hold on to the word of God no matter what. You hold on to the word of God. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter what, what society is saying. It doesn't matter what anyone else's opinion is. You hold on to the word. God has exalted his word above his name. Hold on to the word and his word will see you through. They used to teach it. You hold on to the word like a bulldog on a stake, like a pit bull. Fine. If that's all I got to do. Hold on to the word. I'm hanging on. And I don't care what the cares are. I don't care what society's saying. I don't care what the checkbook says. I don't care what the people say. It's got to be me and Jesus in the word. If it's going to be that, it'll be that. That's what I'm doing. The cares do not get to choke out the word in me. Well, then he says, the deceitfulness of riches. And this is where it starts getting into very American. Very America. Deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things. We kind of get the idea of the deceitfulness of riches. None of us believes we're deceived by riches, but we happen to be living in the wealthiest nation in the earth. Somebody's deceived by riches. Somebody's living their life for riches instead of for glory. Come on. Somebody, probably many people in the wealthiest nation in the world are experiencing this deception that comes from riches. And I think it's just simply this, that you think if you've got a lot of money, you're okay. If you've got enough money, you're okay. Well, here's the question I have. Do you have enough Jesus? Because if you don't have enough Jesus, but you've got, a lot of, uh, you got enough money, you are not okay. You are deceived by riches. 
imagining that just because you've got a number in your bank account that you are safe, that is folly. Riches are fleeting. And the love of riches is the root of all evil. It doesn't mean that God doesn't use riches to establish his kingdom. He does. And he even uses riches to, to bless his people. He absolutely does. But the point is, where is your trust? Is it in the 401k? Is it in the bank account number? Is it in the insurance policy? Or is it in the living God? Because riches are deceitful. They will make you think you're secure when you are not. Right. Having money isn't the answer. Having Jesus is the answer. And for some people, it's just better for them to not have a lot of money because they are more susceptible to being deceived by riches. So the Lord helps you by keeping the numbers lower. Hallelujah. Some of you are feeling the help right now. But that's, I, I would rather be poor and have Jesus than be rich, step on over to the other side, and I've missed everything. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? I guarantee you God is looking through, at your life through the lens of eternity, not whether or not you got that fat house, that fat car, and that fat bank account. And if the fat house, fat car, and fat bank account would cause you to be deceived, in his kindness, he'll keep you from it. But that brings us to that last one, the desire for other things. The desire for other things, which is why I hit this thing about spiritual hunger to begin with. What do you want more than God? Come on, family. What do you want more than God? You see, we really have to look at ourselves in the mirror and ask ourselves that question. What do you want more than Jesus? Because if there's something that you want more than Jesus, that's an idol. And that's a desire for other things. And that is stealing the word from you. It's stealing your fruitfulness. And this is what I realize about so many believers is they get in, they get into Jesus, they learn a hundred scriptures, they kind of know the main ones, and they read over these passages and they, they know them, but they don't really know them and they don't realize that other desires have stolen the preeminent desire. And you know, you get into this thing and you, five years in, 10 years in, and all of a sudden you're not leaning in like you used to. You're not hungry for him like you used to be. And you're just flatlined. You're ineffective. And there's a moment coming, I'm telling you, when that flatline, not pursuing believer is going to be swept the other direction. And that's why we have to get this word right now that I'm not going to allow myself to be any of these other kinds of soil. I'm gonna be good soil only good soil is that us did you turn that on on me while I'm preaching <laughs> we're having coffee there's no time in here all right stand up it's way late 1045 what is that music oh he's here I didn't see him thank you Jonathan for bailing me out I didn't realize it was 1045 Tim's probably back there like, I've got to spray the room. We're just having coffee in here, Tim. Chill out. Guys, I'm asking you to make one quality decision right now, one quality decision. Will you choose to be good ground for real? Seriously. See, we can all be good ground. Our whole spiritual family, we can all be good ground. Will you choose to be good ground which means you're gonna press against the lies of the enemy. You're gonna press against the deceitfulness of riches. You're gonna press against the fears and the persecutions. You're gonna lean in and hunger for depth. In the next weeks, I'm gonna talk about how we grow deep, specific things we can do, but I've gotta get you to this place right now where you'd say, I am choosing to be good ground. 
All right. If you'd say that with me, because that's where I'm at. I'm saying, God, I want to be good ground. I want the roots to go deep. I want to bear fruit. If you'd say that to me, I just want you to throw your hand in the air to the Lord. We're going to go deep in God. We're not going to be swept away. Lord, in the name of Jesus, right here, right now, we hold our hand before you as a sign, as a statement, as a commitment. God, we want to be good ground. Help us, give us grace, give us insight, give us encouragement by the Spirit. Change the way that we spend. Help us to change the way we spend our time, the way we spend our minds, what we think about, actions. We're saying we want to be good ground now. I'm praying, convict us when we give in to these other versions. Work in us that we would be a fruitful people growing deep in the knowledge of you, readying the earth for revival and the return of the Lord. Do it today. Jesus, do it in us today. We repent for where we've allowed these other areas, these other kinds of soil to take over our hearts. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, do it in us, I ask. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Be dismissed. Get on out of here so they can spray the room. <laughs>